0: Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. Today's speaker is Dr. Beau Bruce. If you thought you were getting out of here without a sermon, you're you're mistaken. (laughs) Welcome. Good morning. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Today, a little bit earlier, we listened to St. Luke tell us about how Jesus uh, was sharing a parable about seed being sown to what sounds like a massive crowd. Much people were gathered, as it said. And as a preacher, it seems I should be excited. After all, Jesus has done the hard work here because he later explains this parable to his disciples in private, and that's recorded in St. Luke's Gospel. So all the hard work's been done, right? Well, when St. John Chrysostom preached on this passage, in fact, he said what truth himself, that's Jesus, has expounded, human frailty does not presume to discuss. So I feel like I'm a little bit in trouble here. Maybe we should go on to lunch. Maybe not so fast. St. John goes on to say that the Lord himself has expounded what he was saying, that you might learn to discover the meaning of those other things that he chose not to explain personally. So St. John then goes on to primarily use that foundation to expound about how Jesus hands us the authority to reveal the meaning of the parables he didn't explain. But I also think there's an insight here in St. John's words about this parable itself. Here Jesus, in his explanation of the parable, is giving us the guardrails, But it's still our job to walk the road a little further and try to explain its deeper meaning. So even though there may be a simple interpretation, that doesn't mean there isn't more deep meaning here. And also, like I often say, simple, something can be simple, but that doesn't make it easy. Furthermore, we can all learn the basic concept of something rather rapidly, but nearly all topics have substantial depth, so deep that you could spend a lifetime exploring those depths, and those are secular topics. So how much more for the Word of God? That's a topic we hope as Christians will be exploring and uncovering new beauty from for an eternity. So I think if we just accept Jesus' explanation of the allegorical meaning of each of these images in the story without deeper consideration— or worse, think that's all there is to the story, I don't think we'll find ourselves much further along the road of salvation. So let's dig in. As I discussed last week, the Sunday Mass readings of the season of Septuagesima Tide, that's this pre-Lenten season we're in for three weeks, starts 70 days before Easter. We learned the counting's a little funky, but it works. And during the Lenten season are tied directly and deeply to an Old Testament scriptural sequence that recounts the entire history of human salvation from Adam to Christ via Noah, Abraham, Moses, and others. This entire sequence will be recapitulated during our evening Easter vigil as we enter into the new season wrought by Christ's salvation. And the entire church is preparing for us for that powerful service that we are approaching now week by week. The church inspired by the Holy Spirit has crafted this linkage between those Old Testament texts and the Sunday lectionary to bring us deeper into the divine mysteries of Christ. And as Orthodox Christians, we don't just see the Old Testament as history or a source of some key prophecies of Christ or as just a good source of some beautiful poetry or Proverbs. No, it's all of those things and more. Inside it, we see the constant foreshadowing of everything Christ will be and will fulfill. So as we prepare for Lent, Lent, the readings are specifically chosen to help us open our eyes to see Jesus as the Christ and to help us see our place, our place in this history of salvation that began with the creation of the world and which will continue eternally. As we also discussed, it would be easy to miss all the things I'm talking about, because this sequence of Old Testament readings is going on in the ancient service of Matins, a service of readings in the daily prayers. But as I mentioned, there is a clue, even in the service books that we use routinely, the services that we use here at the Advent. On Saturday Vespers during this season, we get a little hint from the prescribed antiphon. That's the little song, the little very short verse that goes before we sing the beautiful Magnificat hymn that, that that Mary, uh, that Elizabeth and Mary sing. And that this antiphon was this week. It was the Lord said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me. Make an ark of gopher wood that therein the seed of all flesh may be saved. So here from that one phrase from Exodus, we can figure out that maybe we should try to figure out how to connect Noah, the story of Noah, to today's parable of the sower. Well, the most, and the most obvious and the first connection that I see is the common mention of seed in both passages. Noah makes an ark so that the seed of all flesh can be saved. Jesus tells us that the seed in his parable is the word of God. And at first blush, if we think uh, about the Old Testament, And what it's saying, it sounds like maybe it's talking about the seed of man and beast. But let us not forget that the seed of man and beast was born of the word of God. And without that initial planting of the seed of the word of God in the dark, chaotic cosmos, there would not be any creation, no seed of all flesh. So thus, the seed of all flesh is the progeny of that seed of God, and that is which God is saving through the ark. And in another striking aspect of the passage, we note that Noah is called not just to save humankind, but all the animals too. You hear me say this quite often. We see it again and again play out in the Old Testament. The old law made very clear that the law was not just intended for mankind, but also for the creatures of the earth. You'll note that not only humans were required to rest on the Sabbath, but their work animals too. And on a longer cycle of seven years, even the earth and the plants also got their rest during a land Sabbath where no crops were to be sown or harvested. God's law is for everything, all of creation, not just us as people. And even though we often think the story of salvation is about us and what Christ did for us, and yes, thank God it is, it's also about the entirety of creation. Isaiah tells us of the rejoicing of the wilderness, the hills singing, the trees clapping, their hands, and the joy of the coming of the Lord. And so Noah is a type that brings salvation not just to man, but to creation, just as Christ does. Christ brings not just mankind to new life from an existence of decay and death, but all of creation. Noah saves man and beast from the flood in an ark of wood. Jesus Christ saves us through his actions hanging on a cross of wood. Noah becomes the founder of not just a new people, but a new creation, just as Christ is the new Adam. And this is what I want us to focus on, to take home with us from the passage today. Noah was also, as we talked about Adam last week, Noah was also a new Adam. And likewise, we'll see, we'll talk next week about Abraham, how he's a different type of human, worthy, counted worthy by his faithfulness. But we'll start today with Noah. And so as we look at these more righteous figures of the Old Testament, as we prepare ourselves to enter the season of Lent and see at the end of that our, the beautiful Easter season, we see a recurring theme. These are people who not just heard the word of God but they kept it. And that's what our parable was talking about today. They are the good ground, which in Jesus's words today in the gospel, they have an honest and good heart. They've heard the word and keep it. They bring forth fruit with patience. And this message will be echoed strongly just a few chapters later in Luke's gospel, when a woman in the crowd yells out to Jesus, blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. To which Jesus replies, blessed rather, are those who hear the word of God and keep it." So it's critical to the connection between today's parable and Noah that we see this. We all receive the word of God through our very conception. And in that moment, we are created by the very seed of God, the very word of God, that sprouted at the creation of the universe. We're sustained to this day by his word throughout in our lives, for if it wasn't there, we would cease to exist. But the question is, the ultimate question is, are we merely to exist? Will we merely hear that word and fail to respond to it? Will we fail to grow into the fullness, into that beautiful vine that we are a part of? We dearly beloved, you and I are just as much a part of this story as Abraham, as Noah, as Abraham, as Jesus Christ himself. You're not just here to sit back and ride the ark, you are called to build it too. We saw Adam hear the word of God. I mean, after all, he walked with God in the garden. He and Eve both. How amazing. And what did he do? He didn't keep the word of God. He heard it. Judas walked with our Lord and God. He even took part in the first communion. Yet he betrayed him. It may seem that God is distant, my friends, but he's not. He is with us all the time and he carries us. All the time. All the more for us who are baptized and sealed by the Holy Spirit. So, who will we be? Will we be Adam or Noah, Peter or Judas? That's the question that we need to be asking ourselves as we prepare for this Lenten season and do battle with that question as we walk towards Easter. As we heard last week, we're all called to be laborers in the vineyard. The berries are ripe all around us and whether we pick all day or just a few hours we can also be the founders of a new people we are all called to be a new Adam and a new Eve we are called to be the good ground not just by hearing the word of God but doing it and maybe before I get you too frenzied about this and you leap up out of your seats and passion witness to the world around you we also have to hear the Lord's warning in this parable there are enemies out there who want to stop us, and they especially want to stop us when we are doing good. The devil, our own exuberance, the cares of the world. And in this passage, the Lord tells us that we will bring forth fruit only with patience. I know all of you who have co-labored with us at the Advent get the word patience. In fact, maybe it's your byword or you wouldn't be sitting here today. But we have to continue to trust in the Lord that in our faithful mission to hear and do that word, he will hear us and it will bear great fruit. All of you and we have all been attacked by enemies that this gospel passage lists out in our lives. And one thing is for sure, we will continue to be. So the good news is that we have God's help. But to continue to weather them With that help, we also have to start fixing ourselves. Last week, when we talked about the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, I, I spoke to you about faithful obedience to God. And in that faithful obedience, we must till our ground, soften it, so that the roots of the word of God can take an even deeper hold of our hearts, our minds, our souls, to love God and our neighbor The church has provided the season of Lent to be a time to do that tilling and that fertilizing so we, like Noah, like Adam, like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, can be the founder of a new people. And today the church is calling you to prepare to make the most of that time. Will it be work tilling the field, breaking up our hardened hearts that only want to think of me, me, me? Will there be great toil in working under the hot sun that reveals the darkness within you? Will that fertilizer taste a little more like medicine than a tasty beverage? Yes. But with that work, that faithful obedience, combined with patience that we're hearing about today, we all know will come a greater harvest. It's simple, but it ain't easy. So my brothers and sisters, start now to gather together what you'll need for making the coming tilling and growing season the best. And if you're not sure where to start or how to make the most of it, we're here together to discuss that, to help you, and to move you from wherever you are to a place closer to our Lord and Savior during this Lenten season. So let us pray. Almighty and ever-living God, today we stand before you with our rocky soil under a hot sun and we call upon your help that we may not neglect our fields for the temporal joys and cares of this world, but rather tend to them with persistent patience, so that we may reap the eternal joys that you provide not just in the kingdom to come, but in that kingdom you established here on earth among your people, that we may be a warm light to people around us and that through your headship, we may be your hands and feet of service to all around us. We beseech thee, O Lord, that we too may be the founder of a new people through our hearing and doing of your word. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with thee in the Holy Ghost, one God, world without end, amen talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.